everybody, welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Pigeon podcast, uh, bringing you the top health tech news stories and analysis every single week. Uh, with me today, I have Hugh and Jess from the Somex team. We are going to be talking about the NHS England business plan. We're going to be talking or asking is medical technology outstripping other sectors in ai apparently it is uh, and we're also going to be talking about penguins so looking forward to that uh right into our first story Right, first story today, NHS England has published their 2023-2024, I mean, we're most of the way through 2023, so that's interesting, uh, their 2023-2024 business plan with a focus on digital. Hugh, what are your thoughts here? Well, this is the classic NHS business plan. Uh, yeah, okay, it's a national organisation, which is great, but it's got 12 objectives uh, in its business plan, and I've never seen a plan with 12 objectives really feel like it's got focus um, that said, there's obviously a lot to look at here. Uh, improving ambulance response, any waiting times, reducing elective long waits, cancer backlogs, making it easier for people to access primary care, improving mental health services, improving maternity and neonatal services, prevent ill health and narrow health inequalities, recover productivity, build and develop the workforce. I'm going to stop there because there's at least four more. <laughs> so yeah, it's good. It's it's nice to see what the NHS, well, frankly, it's nice to see that NHS England knows what the NHS does and intends to do it over the next 12 months. <laughs> There's a lot on here. Uh, a lot of it is relying on digital, as it feels like most government NHS central plans do rely on at the moment, um, which is nice to see. My problem with this is it feels like we see this a lot where we've got a plan, we've got lots of objectives, this is what we will do, and we're going to rely on technology to do it. Uh, meanwhile, the budgets get cut on use of technology in the NHS. There are still 42 ICSs, and a lot of you know how they spend this money is down to the ICSs, which is great. Um, a lot of autonomy to do things at the local and regional level. But you know, this is the same year that we saw a headline that said NHS spending on tech falls to below a billion, which don't know if that marries up particularly well mm. with all of the commitments to digital in this plan and others. Um, and it's also a week in which Health Service Journal reported that NHS England central spending on digital has just met strict spending controls from the chief financial officer. Um, so I guess my question is, knowing what we do know about health tech and you know what's possible and what's going on now and the challenges that NHS England has, is this enough? Is this Do we see NHS England putting its money where his mouth is. I guess the thing for me is that I'm struggling to connect the dots between this plan and, frankly, stuff actually happening. So that's the bit that I have always struggled with. And, like, I do say that, like, in an in, that language is intentional because I think a lot of these policy documents, you can end up wrapped up in jargon to the point where you end up repeating the jargon just to make it sound like you understand the jargon when in fact nobody actually does. So what I don't get, you meant, I mean, you mentioned that a lot of this depends on ICSs and like their implementation of it. So it's almost like, is this guidance or is this like, you've got to do these things? And when an ICS picks this document up, do they 
do they just just read the abstract and go, yeah, okay, or the executive summary and go, yeah, okay, sort of what we're doing anyway, like, yeah, we'll get away with this, it'll be fine. Or do, or, or do they look at the recommendations and like really go hard on like, okay, we've got to change this, we've got to do that, we've got to do the other, and then all of a sudden find capacity for shed loads more work when they've already probably got quite a lot to do. So, the, but the, I don't know. I don't actually know what the answer is. I don't know if you can shed any light on that, but I mean, I've worked at HE. I've done stuff with NHS England. Like I know, I know how these documents come to the fore and I know that broadly a lot of the recommendations will be pointed at certain organizations to do sorts of things. But I guess my frustration was always when I was at one of these places, if you're, if you got pointed at with your recommendations, you would reply with your own document that said how you were super focused on doing this and how you, yeah, absolutely, you're going to make a plan to then address those recommendations. And in that, I'm going to set some recommendations for these people that they help us. And then they say a document that they're going to plan. So this doesn't, for me, this this or any other won't affect the people that are coming up with ideas and the entrepreneurs that are building tech companies that are trying to sell this stuff in. I mean, hopefully it will have some effect on their ability to sell it in. I think that's what we can hope. And, you know, this article mentions things like the Federated Data Platform. It mentions a few things that they want to do specifically with digital as well. (sighs) I don't know, man. I don't know if you've got any thoughts. No, I mean, I think you're exactly right. Every ICS and every organization is going to look at this and say, yeah, well, we know what we're doing that's in line with it and we're going to do our best, but we've obviously got the day-to-day business of doing what we do as well. Um, I guess there is a framework, obviously, for you know when NHS England says, hey, you, ex-ICS producer, your plan for what digitizing primary care over the next two years is going to look like and the ICS turns around and does that and says, look, it's exactly in line with your business plan and the NHS priorities and that, you know, reflects everything in data sales lives or transfer or the, you know, recovering access to primary care plan. We're pushing on, we're using digital solutions in this way and improving mm. this aspect of things. But yeah, I think if there's one thing to take away from this for health tech companies, for me, it's look at what it, the language that is being used in this, look at the language that is being used at the yeah. kind of, priority levels and tailor your messaging to it yeah tailor your metrics to it and show how you are matching and meeting these and say you fit that priority and this is how whether i mean it's a business plan it's not just the nhs that struggles with business plans that actually feel like they've got focus an organization this big is is incredible and you know they 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 break down the budget further down in the business plan as well about how many billions that they spend centrally versus how many billions go to ICSs to spend themselves and the the breakdown's quite impressive i think it's about i i would need to go find the numbers but i think it's 30 billion that they get to send, spend centrally and then 148 billion that goes to ICSs um so you know really the ball is probably in the ICSs court but they will have other priorities and meeting these is, is an interesting one. So yeah, for the for the most part, this is going to be most useful to the tech companies out there that well, health tech companies out there to say, look, you know, this is your priority. You've got just taking, you know, pilot and evaluate new service models designed to reduce inequality and maternity. <laughs> if you know, 
if you are providing a solution to maternity organizations at the moment, if you're not putting that straight up as a example of something you can do and you can help them with, then you're missing out. It's such a good point. It's such a good point. You can have the best messaging in the world, but if it doesn't say, uh, if it doesn't align with uh, your the your customers' priorities, then it's it's not the best solution for them, even if it could be. Totally so, uh, agree. Totally yes, agree. no matter what you're working on, read all of this and process it and adapt. I can remember when the five-year forward view and the GP forward view came out when I was in the early throes of my health tech days and I was speaking to a few health tech companies and stuff at the time, but I was working more policy side at the time. And actually, I can remember having a couple of meetings with health tech companies being sat on that side of the table. And you could tell who had read those documents because they literally had a slide that mapped them to those documents. And you mentioned language. The language that they came in speaking was one of those documents. They spoke in those terms. And I'm not saying that's what gets a deal done, but it goes a heck of a long way to building trust with the person on the other side of the table if you are speaking in terms that they understand, if you are immediately saying things that they can latch onto to go, that's literally what I need solved and I understand everything you've just said. It's a huge point language and actually... Taking a document like this and having a look at where certain sentences might appear on your website or might appear in that pitch deck or appear in the pitch as you say it out loud, all of these things are incredibly helpful because they're all marginal gains towards being discovered, being Googled, being listened to, being heard and feeling heard and building trust and building a relationship and all those things. So I do think you're right here. I think, you know, I, I, I don't blame anybody that's, you know, part of writing this or on policy side of work there. I understand that. I know it, that these things have to happen. Leadership is often just setting the coordinates and hoping that these things downstream do happen. But yeah, for the health tech companies out there, I think all of these documents are worth reading for exactly the reasons you have said and whatever you can do to bring this language into what you do. I think it can only bring you benefits when you're in meetings with those people to get deals done. For anyone who's interested in the exact specificities of the budget, um, out of a total budget of $168.8 billion, um, then $114.3 billion of that is going directly to ICBs. Um, and they're spending 32.3 billion um, on directly commissioning services. So that's there's a nice pie chart if you go into the full business plan on the NHS England website where you can see exactly how they split up the funding allocation for anyone who's interested in that sort of thing. Our next story today uh, comes to us from MedTech Innovation News. The headline, Medical Technology is Outstripping Other Sectors in AI Innovation. It's funny this because I've, (laughs) in days gone by, heard the complete opposite. So, Hugh, have you had a read of this? Do you know what's going on? Yeah, so, I mean, this is a new report from Marks & Clark, uh, a leading intellectual property firm who i mean this i think this is the fourth report they've done they do i think they do it annually so 2024 reports can be really interesting before we go on it's really important to point out one thing which is this is 18 month old data all of the info from this report has been taken from 2022 and obviously since then we've had some nice big explosions in ai um you cannot 
you cannot walk into a pitch meeting now without at least putting AI on your deck somewhere. And that applies to tech from across the board. So I think these numbers are going to be very different, particularly as people say, oh, well, now I've uh, you know coded a small chat GPT integration, which will make you know this solution work way better. And quite often it's a solution that has absolutely no real need for AI in whatsoever, but they've done it anyway. Um, so yeah, th- these numbers are going to change. But that said, and um, you know, really interesting news, I think, uh, in this, which is, in 2022, the number of AI-based patent applications filed by the medtech sector had almost quadrupled from 2018 to 2,771 medtech publications in 2022. So, first of all, what this this means? I mean, and if you take patent applications as the uh, you know as a metric of innovation in an industry, this is huge, and it's you know completely outdoing. Um, other sectors in terms of how health, you know, well, med tech is using AI technologies, and I think that's that's really interesting because we we tend to look at AI and think, you know, this isn't something that that med tech companies are using, that health tech companies are using. This goes to show that if this is the metric you rely on, this is this is not what we expected. You know, things are going up, and presumably as ChatGPT comes in, we're going to see it go up even even more, although other sectors will probably catch up as well. Uh, It's important to say it's not across the board. It's not across the board in health tech, in biotech, everything like that. Applications for filing, uh, well, filings in the field of AI-based drug discovery were actually down 30% from 2021. There were only 12 filed last year. But yeah, uh, I mean, I guess no one one really expected this, but uh, it means that at least behind the scenes, uh, medtech is beavering away with some... uh, AI-based solutions and can't wait to see them hit the market. I just thought it was interesting to note that computer vision and predictive analytics technologies were like the a significant proportion of the applications there. Um, and it says in this article that that suggests that there's a focus going to be on prediction and prevention and intervention um, over treatment. Yeah, and at the end, it says something quite interesting. It talks about data-intensive industries being the ones that are going to benefit most from the advent of AI. And it's it's true. I, I spoke about this earlier in the week. I've been to a few events this week, and like someone asked me about why is healthcare going to benefit so much from AI? And the answer that I gave at the time was that if as as someone that's been in like an intensive care unit and, and practice clinically, I can almost just see and feel all the data in people's conversations and the machines beeping and every symptom that's active with the patient being picked up by like a clinician's hands and eyes and ears rather than being collected. And I can almost see all of that data just evaporating all of the time and how useful that would be to then collect for so many obvious reasons for, as you say, Jess, the prediction and the prevention, let alone the accuracy of treatment and things like that. And it, it just feels to me that, yeah, I'm not actually surprised now that the AI innovation in, in the medical field will be overtaking others because I think it is a field which is so data intensive, like this article says, but actually the other side of it that also really difficult historically to collect that data. Whereas now 
with the hardware advances in parallel with the software advances, the fact that we're getting sharper and sharper at that hardware and software because the the med tech devices, as they're calling them here, are also running in parallel with ones that we choose to wear ourselves with Apple Watches detecting AF and things like that. It's both at play that we're both collecting this data and we're getting better at processing this data, which is obviously the perfect playing field for then AI to be layered in to actually do the hard processing and give us some insights that we actually want and care about. So, I, yeah, I, it, does, it, it doesn't surprise me that it's happening in medical and that we're overtaking everyone now because, um, yeah, as I say, there's lots of, lots of data to play with. Computer vision, again, just not, as you say, not remotely shocked to see that it's things like computer vision technology that's uh, playing that role. I think there's a, a lot of great startups in the med tech um, sector using it. Um, shout out to companies like Hypervision Surgical, um, who are using it to improve the accuracy of surgery and detect you know, dead tissue and things like that. It's, you know, there's, there's great applications of it across the board. And I think we're probably going to see see that kind of come out in in particularly in the surgical space but across med tech as well no i was just saying like we'll co- have to come back to this report next year and um i imagine it'll look fairly different but we'll have to bookmark it in now to review it next year the patterns metric is also quite interesting to me because that suggests that people are getting ideas that they are then defending and sort of it's a metric that displays i guess the commercial nature of this as well, that people are defending certain applications and ideas to grow companies around them, which when there's 2,771 of them in 2022, that's quite exciting for a sector knowing that there's going to be that kind of competition and drive and I guess money flowing in would be the other one beyond that if people are going to invest in it. So yeah, interesting metric to pick that. Yeah, I mean, it's important to point out that this report comes from an IP firm. Um, <laughs> so there will be others who are tracking this in in other forms. Um, it, it is an interesting one because um, the patentability of algorithms and software mm. generally um, is, is challenging depending on where you're trying to patent them as well, mm. um, geographically, um, you know. We we couldn't get an IP expert to come and talk about that today, um, but rest assured, the future edition of Pigeon will dedicate solely to the patentability of an algorithm, or just check out Hardy and Health's um, uh, blog on the same topic. Right on to our final story of today. Well, this is a story we've all been waiting for. Um, and this is the technology, frankly, that we've all been waiting for. Uh, robot penguins um, in hospitals solving bed blocking problems because what can solve a bed blocking problem uh, better than a robot penguin, Jess? Um, yeah, so this is one of my favorite stories <laughs> in Pigeon probably ever, um, almost definitely ever. I mean, this actually reminded me of, um, if anyone's a long-time Pigeon listener, they might remember the joke-telling robot cleaners yeah. um, that were heavily featured <laughs> probably around this time last year. Um, so now we've got a new contender for the favourite Pigeon robot, which is these um, robot <laughs> penguins. So there's the, the this is in Milton Keynes Hospital. Um, so they've identified a problem, which is bed blocking, patients who are 
fit to leave the hospital and don't need to be there um, are unable to leave for various reasons. And one of the reasons they identified was that they were waiting on their meds from the hospital pharmacy. So they hadn't been delivered yet. There was no one to go and collect the meds for them. So um, they've programmed a bunch of robot penguins whose job is to get those drugs from the hospital pharmacies to the patients. So the patients can then go home. Um, but if anyone's, I really encourage everybody to click through on the link and have a look at the video um, of these penguins. <laughs> they just look incredibly sinister. I'm getting penguins of Madagascar vibe as well. If anyone's watched that and remembers the the penguins there, just going running around causing chaos. Um, so I think I would potentially be quite scared if I was if it was late at night and all I could, I was walking down a hospital corridor and all that was coming towards me was this like sinister looking penguin with like a bag full of drugs in its hand or its beak. <laughs> it's not clear how they they don't have arms so it's not quite clear how they carry the drugs around the hospitals <laughs> either i'm imagining some kind of pouch um in the penguin's stomach <laughs> maybe they'll drag a shopping trolley behind them oh, I, I have too many jokes to go through on this <laughs> it, it, it's there's there's too many questions i mean it starts with <laughs> has the designer seen the film batman returns and do, were they inspired by this and you wanted to <laughs> replicate it in a hospital uh, i mean we've, we've just talked about the nhs business plan i'm really surprised that this wasn't in last year's it's it is wonderful it really is and if you haven't if you haven't read it go go straight to itv there's a video there's we can't do justice to it because <laughs> it's just too entertaining um, At least you sort of know now what it takes for mainstream media to pick up health tech. Like the bar is set yeah. at needs to be some sort of comedy animal delivering something with like with, with the helper robots before and now this. Like we literally know that that is what's required to get international media with health tech. So if anyone does want to spin out a product or at least pivot into sort of comedy robots, that's how that's how you get some decent PR. Our design team is very happy to brand it with the comedy <laughs> comedy bird. If 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 you like, I mean, it seems to be a fairly reasonable way to break through in health tech. We so have, if you want a comedy bird for your own application. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. But yeah, they the helper bots are nearly human sized and have been trained autonomously to navigate the hospital. Now, I have I actually know this problem quite well, like having obviously worked in secondary care and and like the discharge coordinators, the people that are responsible for literally just getting people out of the hospital once they are ready to get out of the hospital. It, it might surprise some people that don't actually work in hospitals that that is genuinely someone's full-time job. Just basically making sure that the things are done that need to be done so that someone can, get, can go home once the clinicians have said they can go home. Um, it's Well, it's, it's someone's job, and now it's the job of someone to now just like delegate to some penguin robots, which is just wonderful for that person and has obviously made their job a lot more entertaining. Um, but yeah, they go to the pharmacies, they get their drugs that they need to go home and then they deliver it. Uh, a major problem for the NHS during its busiest times, it says here. I'm just slightly concerned about what happens when the penguins get hacked. Um, <laughs> what kind of chaos could they cause in the hospital? <laughs> so. I mean, they, they, uh, can you they don't have like lasers attached to their head. Like they're not like, they're not like weaponized, dangerous penguins. They could, the worst they could probably do yes. is just like roll into yes. someone at two miles an hour. Like. Well, if someone programs the penguins to like steal all the drugs from the hospital pharmacy That's and then like send them out on the streets of Milton Keynes. That's interesting. I mean, there was a wonderful image on the ITV news story just down at the bottom. Again, please go and read it if you are listening. <laughs> uh, where one. Steve Barkley seems to have... <laughs> 
Steve Barkley seems to have adopted uh, two of them as his personal bodyguards. So, you know, it could be that if it proves itself within the NHS, there's uses elsewhere too. Uh, you have to you have to look at the article just for that photo. It is it is wonderful, honestly. I tell you what, I'll finish with the with the with the quote at the end of this. Um, so so it's fun, but it is very functional. It solves a problem in healthcare, moving things from A to B, such as medicines and blood results. Um, so there we go. Uh, definitely, if you're in the local area, head to Milton Keynes University Hospital to have a look at genuinely human-sized robots shaped like penguins. This one in the fo- in the photo has even got a little hat on. Oh, I mean, and James, you missed out the best part of the quote, which implies that there may be others coming beyond penguins. We call them helper bots because sometimes it could be a penguin or a parrot. It could be a duck. <laughs> Surely a pigeon is the next logical step. <laughs> if it's a pigeon, we sue. If it's a pigeon, we sponsor it. That has been Health Tech Pigeon, guys. Um, a, a, some, a semi-serious look at the Health Tech news this week, um, but a, a very, very serious offer to go to Milton Keynes University Hospital or find a reason to be in there because, uh, God, they are just hilarious, aren't they? Um, and if you can't get there, definitely read the article on ITV News. It's in Health Tech Pigeon this week because you get to see a fantastic picture that's been Health Tech Pigeon, guys. You can head to healthtechpigeons.com to get those new stories. And you can join us next week to hear some more of the news. So uh, enjoy yourselves.